Hello, and welcome to episode 176 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the foreign affairs. This week, we're going to be talking about the remains of the day on your, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm unable to be of assistance in this matter, podcast. Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Vose. British Month. We're considering British Month. So we did Shaun of the Dead last week. A more modern British film. Yes, yeah. vastly different from this one. Now we're watching a Merchant Ivory production. Now I don't know what that means. Yeah, when I say Merchant Ivory, does that mean anything to you? No. Okay. What the, does it dire- mean? the director was James Ivory. The one of the producers was Ismail Merchant. Okay, and they made a lot of films together over like forty years. Wow. Okay, a lot of films. This is kind of the pinnacle of Merchant Ivory. They had a reputation, have a reputation for period dramas, adaptations of plays and books and, you know, other media, other content, Mm -hmm. turning it into a film, but with a, you know, proper good British star or stars in it who were giving these deep performances of whatever they were doing. And it's, it's hard for me to talk about because for me, Merchant Ivory is a bit of slang, almost. Okay. You refer to something as Merchant Ivory when you're talking about it being sort of period and worthy and maybe a bit dull. Okay? Okay. I, I've seen it compared to, as a phrase, m- when people talk about masterpiece theatre. Okay. That makes okay? Which, which was a thing. And masterpiece theatre was these great actors giving these great performances. Right. But it became a reference for, you know, lovies giving the great, you know, all over the top. And this is how actors act darling right. and you must always right. spittle when you when you are acting <laughs> and things like that um yes. but so merchant ivory to me in the way and as i've grown up has been this sort of slang of boring old-fashioned period pieces so when did you watch this movie for the first time i watched it years ago i know i've seen i know i've seen this i know watching it i knew exactly what was coming but I could not remember it. But then as I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that and that. I think it's one of those things that probably I saw as a teen, whether my parents were watching it and I watched it at the same time and didn't really take it in. In the same way they watched, you know, we talked on the Pride and Prejudice episode. Mm-hmm. It was just something that was always on. This is, you know, my parents love content like this. They they love good performances and good stories and so on. So I probably didn't take it in and quite grasp what was going on because there's a lot of nuance and you know part of this story as we'll talk about is what's not said which teenage matthew liked star wars and star trek and right. quite quite on the nose in the media honestly this feels a little bit like one of those movies that would have been played in school mm-hmm. like on a day we had a substitute teacher yeah and and especially again because they're adaptations and they were doing films like a room with a view based on a famous book. And uh, I'm going through the list here. Howard's End, which is one of their famous ones. They did one about Jefferson in Paris, surviving Picasso, again, towards the end of their their thing together. But they did lots and lots of different films together, which got this reputation for 
great performances from great actors or, or young actors who will go on to be great. You know, Helena Bonham Carter and young Emma Thompson and before this film and so on. But then in the 90s, and certainly I think as they continue to, to put them out and perhaps the quality mm-hmm. diminished, I haven't seen the film, so I can't really judge, but it became a slang term for, oh, another Merchant Ivory. Oh, it's a bit dull. It's a bit worthy. And very and, long. And at the same time, films like Four Weddings and a Funeral, Train Spotting, mm-hmm. Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Shallow Grave. You know, British cinema is becoming something a bit different, becoming a bit more accessible, maybe, than okay. let's talk about class and stiff upper lip and so on. Yes. Okay. Although I imagine if this movie came out now, it would do quite well, thanks to Downton Abbey. Well, I mean, there's there's an argument, and maybe we should talk about this here. That this is ripping, that Downton Abbey is ripping this off in some fairly large ways. Yes, yes, there were, I mean, Downton Abbey put more story into it. But it was a TV show. Because it was a TV mm-hmm. show and they had more space for it. But mm-hmm. yes, um, I mean, I think even in my thoughts doc, I said, I'm really glad Downton Abbey taught me what an underbutler and a footman is, mm. right? Because they weren't things that I would have been familiar with. No. Like the whole understanding kind of how the staff of a great house like that works. Mm, how they're expected to act. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I imagine yeah. it might have been quite, and maybe in watching Downton it was quite a shock. Like they just can't talk back. They just have to do what's said. And mm-hmm. there is this absolutely strict class structure and power differential going on. And And this film brings it out even more than that. It does. And it was also interesting to get it from the point of view of the butler. Mm-hmm. Right. So this would be like watching Down Abbey from Mr. Carson's perspective. Yeah. Because Mr. Stevens and Mr. Carson are virtually the same character. They are very, very similar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Carson had more humor. But again, TV show, you have to sprinkle in things mm-hmm. to make a character more likable. Two hours in a film, you get a lot of time with one character. Right. Mm. Well, we didn't get a lot of Mr. Stevens' personal life either. Everything that we saw was him on the job, Mm -hmm. duty first. Yeah. I mean, he even opted to continue serving when his father died. Mm. Right. Like, and so with Carson, we got a lot more of that personal. We saw his relationship with Mrs. Hughes develop. We Mm -hmm. saw his relationship with Thomas, like, rise and fall and Mm -hmm. rise and fall over and over again. And it, it, but that's because it was TV. Yeah, and and to be fair, you know, I'm, I'm we're talking about these two properties that uh, are the two properties I know quite well. This and Downton. Mm-hmm. British TV and movies have done this story umpteen times mm-hmm. about the class differential, and they've done it in comedy, they've done it in drama, they've done it in all sorts of different ways. Just you know, there are a few that rise to the top, and they're the ones that are easy to reference. Hmm. Should we get into it? I think we've already started. Now, I've read your brief synopsis, (laughs) so I'm going to let you say it, but preface it with, you're not funny. (laughs) Oh, I think I'm insanely funny. Hey, Mandy, what's this film about? (laughs) A British butler spends his life having no opinions of his own. Okay, we'll come back to that. Good. (laughs) How come you've never watched this? I had never heard of it until okay. last week when we were recording, and suddenly this was the movie we were doing this week. <laughs> so I have to say thank you to, um, on Twitter, Anna underscore MCG and Sarah K. Given, both great friends of the show who recommended this one uh, when we reached out for what sort of British films should we see, and they both said, yeah, this would be a good one. And it, it is. 
if we're talking, let's look at some interesting examples of British cinema. Mm-hmm. Merchant Ivory, as I say, they, you know, and there is a list on Wikipedia. It must be 30 films, if not more, over a 40-year period. Here we go. During their time together, they made 44 films. Wow. They they are an important part of British cinema, and they are regarded as the high watermark in some of them anyway. Okay. So let me ask you a question really quick before I give this history and production information that I got off of Wikipedia. <laughs> Wikipedia calls it a British-American drama. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Like, where does the American part come in? So Merchant, Ismail Merchant, was Indian, but born in the British Raj, so British. And I think he lived in America. I think he was the American contingent of it. And I'm okay. now, I'm now, you know, I'm, I'm scraping my knowledge of it. Maybe I've got it the other way around. James, let's have a quick look at James Ivory. No, I've got it completely the wrong way around. James Ivory, James Francis Ivory, born Berkeley, California. Okay. Went to the okay. University of Oregon, um, but became a film director and made many, many films with his friend, um, Ismail Merchant and, and won Academy Awards. He won, um, BAFTAs. He won, Things that can, you know, celebrated as one of the great directors mm-hmm. for what he did. Cool. Okay. Well, The Remains of the Day is a 1993 British-American drama adapted from the 1989 novel of the same name by Kazuo Ishiguro. I think I pronounced that right. I Ishiguro. Gore. No, you're right. You are absolutely right. I got it wrong. I even tried. I practiced on this one, and I you still did. got it you wrong. Were very good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't patronize me. <laughs> All right. Directed by James Ivory, it stars Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson, with James Fox, Christopher Reeve, and Hugh Grant in supporting roles. The film was nominated for eight Academy Awards, but won none of them. Anthony Hopkins did win Best Actor in the British Academy Film Awards, and it is number sixty-four on the British Film Institute's Top One Hundred British Films. I mean, it had the the poor, not poor, the the misfortune to come out the same year as Schindler's List, oh. which swept the board for some of the big performances. Obviously, mm-hmm. best picture, best director, but it also came out the same year as Philadelphia. So Tom Hanks wins for best actor, The Piano. So Holly Hunter wins. Um, Emma Thompson was nominated for best actress and best supporting actress for In the Name of the Father. Schindler's List obviously also won Best Adapted Screenplay. You know, yeah. anything it was up for, there was a very similar period piece that in Hollywood was always going to sweep the board. Right. Mm. Yeah. And and an interesting, you know, two different takes on a, on a similar period. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How were you able to watch this one? It's on Amazon Prime. Done. Of course it is. Awesome. I was very pleased to see that. I, I will say I've seen so much on Amazon Prime recently that it's just, oh, good film. Oh, another good film. Oh, another good film. Yeah. Right. I had to rent it on Amazon. Okay. So also Amazon, just mm. different. I wonder if it's on BritBox or something. Um. So Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson are the, the stars of the piece, um, although there's yes. a number of other people in this. We've obviously covered that you don't know anything by Merchant Ivory. So what's your experience of Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson? Well, we have briefly talked about Anthony Hopkins before mm. because he was in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, but if you need a reminder of where I know him from, primarily Silence of the Lambs, he is Hannibal Lecter to me. Um, Legends of the Fall and Westworld 
when I think of Anthony Hopkins, those are the mm-hmm. roles I think of. Um, but then I was reminded that he was the dad in Meet Joe Black, which was neat. Which I've never seen. Hmm. Actually, surprisingly good. Okay. Um, Emma Thompson, I was surprised I haven't seen as many things that as I thought I had. Hmm. Is this the first time that we've talked about her? I think so. I think we've tangentially talked about her for mm-hmm. Much Do About Nothing. Because mm-hmm. she's one of the great Beatrices. Beatrices? Beatrixes? Um, (laughs) which we haven't done that we haven't done that adaptation yet absolutely um but i mean emma thompson is fabulous she's everywhere Mm -hmm. i love her but i've really only actually seen her in harry potter love actually nanny mcphee and stranger than fiction okay good films i'm dying to see late night with uh mindy kaling and just haven't gotten around to it yet Oh, that was good. That was good. It wasn't great, to be honest. Mm-mm. Had some stuff that let it down a little, but it was good. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Have you seen Brave? I did, yes. She was the voice of the mom, wasn't she? Mm. That's right. Okay. Shame. I love Brave. I, w- I would talk about Brave very happily. Um, I was disappointed by Brave. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> Dear listener, if you could have just seen the look Matthew gave me. Good, good, good. Okay, moving on. Um... <laughs> Oh, let's talk about Anthony Hopkins later, but Anthony Hopkins is wonderful in this. I mean, you say, yes, he's very famous for Silence of the Lambs. That is the thing. And he then moves to the States and gets this American accent and so on. Mm-hmm. He's outstanding in this part. This oh, is, he is, absolutely. This is the role he was born to play, frankly. But sadly, he very rarely does this thing. Anyway, right. um, similar material. Now, obviously, you haven't seen anything Doubt much. Navi. And down to Abbey, we've touched on. There's an American film called The Butler. Have you seen The Butler? I have not seen it. Okay. It's not quite the same thing, but I will give it a shout out. Forrest Whitaker plays, um, and it's based on a, a, a real person, a man who was a butler at the White House from Eisenhower through to Reagan. Sorry, I got distracted looking it up because I remembered thinking, didn't Danny Strong write that? And he did. Okay. So, th- so this chap is... Um, a butler from the Eisenhower administration through to Reagan. Okay. And it's about what he, you know, all the change to America that he saw over that time, both from a personal perspective, from a political perspective, the civil rights mm. movement and so on. Very good in a sort of, you know, all-encompassing history of America suddenly during that time. Right. Um, particularly Very analogous from, to this. Well, that's the thing. I, I'm not sure that it is because... Thinking about that, it's like it's really interesting to see him interacting with these different presidents and state things that go on. And, and one of his sons joins the Black Panther Party, and he ends up going to Selma or something happens. You know, the Selma's involved in there. The, the whole Selma march across the bridge and so on. Um, and then he resigns under Reagan. And but it's less personal than this. This has a lot more. Although, yes, we're seeing the international politics going on a lot of it is about it affecting this house right rather than a bigger picture but it did it did come to mind i want to give a shout out thoroughly enjoyed it cool Mm. okay so did you enjoy the remains of the day mandy Uh, mandy did you enjoy remains of the day i did until the ending because you and then never I got extraordinarily, to I got extraordinarily angry okay. at the ending, and I feel like that was the biggest waste of two hours of my life. Okay, why? Let's get why? What? Why? What? 
There's no story here. So? There is no story. It's it, it's like it's stopped in the middle of a sentence. Okay. There's nothing. There's no motivation for anything. There's no climax. There's no nothing. It's just, we're going to take a quick snapshot into the life of this butler and... He was a butler before the movie, and he's still a butler after the movie, and nothing has changed. Nothing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's no reason for me to watch this movie. Zero. Okay. Like, I am extraordinarily angry about this movie. <laughs> right. Except like, everything's changed. For him, No, for him, it hasn't. Everything's changed. He, you know, he grew up, he wanted to be... Here's this whole thing of, of, you know, you want to do the best for your employer and you want him to be a man of great stature and you're, you're senior in every way, this kind of thing. And he grew up wanting that to happen and believing that was happening. And then we jump basically 20 years later. We go from the late 30s to the late 50s mm-hmm. and everything's different. The world is utterly, utterly different because it's been through the World War and it has understood what happened in the Holocaust and what happened in defeating Germany and so on. His employer it's so interesting the whole thing that he was it you know he said he was gullible and that he believed these things but actually perhaps he shouldn't but his his employer was a nazi sympathizer mm-hmm. at best if not a nazi himself um so he's had to change his view on him class has changed he because he goes to the pub and view. everyone's arguing and everyone's got their opinion and so on which we saw before Everyone just did what the upper class, right. the ruling class was saying, the political class were doing. But Mr. Stevens himself did not change. His opinions didn't change. Well, okay, we don't actually know what any of his opinions were because he did not have any agency in this movie. Okay. Or I guess he did. His lack of agency was his agency because he chose that and he was very into being the proper butler. Mm-hmm. But his opinions on Lord Darlington didn't actually change. Yes, he was ashamed because he lied about it for so long. But when he finally came clean with that doctor, he said, like explicitly said, no, he was a great and noble man. He was a good man. Honest, whatever he said, it's just. Right. Like he was a good man. So his his opinions didn't actually change there. The way he treated him never changed. He treated his new employer, John Lewis, exactly the same Mm -hmm. as he treated Lord Darlington. Nothing changed for him. Nope. For him, even though it was the 50s, like the world inside that estate was stuck in the 30s. Mm-hmm. What, but it wasn't. Okay, so his new owner, new owner, sorry, new <laughs> master, Lord. The new estate owner. How there we that? go. Okay. Well, <laughs> crikey. Um, <laughs> he is a different person, a different man with a different take mm-hmm. and so on. But. Stevens, as as emblematic of his stature and his generation and various things, has you're absolutely right, has not changed and cannot cope with these changes and is an, an outgoing thing, a thing that is disappearing compared to the new state of the world. And we are seeing that through his eyes. And, then, and like, I, I wish I had had time, I wish I had thought to read the book, because it is so different to the book in some ways, but so I like it. The book is first person. He's an unreliable narrator because he won't even tell you what he's thinking in the book. In the same way in the film, we don't know what he... He will not say the thing. You're just having to pick up on these clues. And in the book, that's happening, this this kind of thing. But obviously, in a book, it's a little bit easier to do 
things in that way than it is in film. Mm-hmm. So I love that he doesn't seem to have changed, but you're absolutely right. He's embarrassed by what happened and he's still trying to make believe that it was actually all good and okay, but clearly it wasn't. Clearly he is a person diminishing. And, Maybe. and you know, he is, yeah, he has not changed and he is getting to his old age and so on. But we are seeing the country changing and the world changing and we are seeing different viewpoints coming and doing these things. We are seeing that even Emma Thompson's character has some of these slightly different viewpoints again, perhaps because of a generational difference. Because And, and very clearly there is something like 20 years between them. But she is still stuck in some of that class system. And, and you know, we talk, I know in your notes, you had elements of the sexism of it. You get married and you stop working. Mm-hmm. And that's just what happened. And, and there's no con- conceiving of the women could keep working if they got married. Right. So, you know, she's still in that world and working in that way, but the world is becoming a bit different again. And, and I love it because it's doing some of these big, and it's doing big stories. It's doing, we should try to sue for peace with Nazi Germany because we don't want to go through war again. And that was, a big part of the political belief at the time, you know, the world had seen through because we'd never had photography. We'd never had videos before. So the world had seen the horror of war. Like it had never seen before. The first world war was the worst amount of death and destruction the world had ever seen. And the idea that we could come to a war like that again was abhorrent to the majority of people. And if it happened, it would be a failure of politics and it would be a failure of politicians. So they should try anything possible to do it. Except you can't have peace with people who want to destroy your races and want to right. destroy the world in that way. So you need what need war is not the right phrase, but you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You need somebody to take a stand. Absolutely. So it's telling that big story, but it's not, it's not telling that story. Well, okay. Because it was so subtle and so nuanced. It happened in the background. If you weren't paying attention, you could have missed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And we didn't actually get to see the end. Like, that story stopped before the war started. Yes. And then we, know we the end. end in the future. And then, right, then we end in the future. And then that story stops before the new world continues mm. in, with the Darlington estate. Mm. Um, and... I just, I wanted more. If they're going to tell a big story, it needs to be a big story. Okay. And it wasn't. Okay. I think I love it because it has this element of snapshots because it is only a very short period of time in the the late Mm -hmm. 30s. And then it's six days in 1958, say, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not encompassing huge things, but it is trying to give some of that across. And again, it's really interesting because I, I am convinced the book probably did not pay as much attention to the political aspects as this film did. I'm sure it was a lot oh. more subtle. I, I don't know. But I just, it, certainly in the way reading people talking about it and hearing people talk about it, it's a lot more about his view of the time and his view of the people and what happened. Whereas this was very much discussions of the politics. politics, And seeing, you know, Hitler's ambassador coming here to meet the prime minister to talk about possible appeasement and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, tells you a lot. So... You're saying there's no story. The story is Butler gets a new estate owner, new master, and 
wants to hire back the old housekeeper, goes to visit her, reminisces on his old days, and then doesn't hire her. It is the smallest story. <laughs> it is just absolutely tiny. But also with these, you know, big international things, it's got the personal, it's got so much personal in here. The story with his father, obviously the romantic story between him and Emma Thompson, some of the stories of the people being hired, some of the stories of the refugees. It's It's got so many different things going on that are all wedded together in this sort of just the time he spent with her and, and us seeing the goings on of the house. Yeah. And I think it's very elegantly done. I'm saying that a little bit because I've watched a couple of films recently that have done not quite enough story. You watch the film at the end, you're like, well, that was fine. I would have liked a little bit more content in my content. Was this, I came away feeling like, God, there's a lot to think about all the different stories we saw happening here. See, I didn't, I came away with, I wanted them to tell me a story and don't feel like I got one. Right. Like, I got a lot of information. Mm Mm-hmm but I don't feel like I got a story. And this movie was so long. <laughs> it was two hours, two hours and eight minutes, I think. Maybe even four. Two minutes. hours and 14 it was, minutes. It was not, you little liar. It was not. Amazon told me it was two hours and 14 minutes. Well, Amazon's a liar then. <laughs> but I wonder if some of that is because of the Britishness of this story and what's going on and the performances that everything is so restrained there was there was a quote and admittedly this is from a review of the book but there was a quote that said it's probably quite an english book i can't imagine readers in more gregarious nations will have much patience with a protagonist who takes four decades to fail to declare his feelings that is the best sentence about this whole thing it really is seen (laughs) yes absolutely because for me, part of the thing that this is just so good, the, the thing that I absolutely love is the story is he takes six days to travel, has some lots of thoughts on his journey. And, and there are many books of this, this ilk. Um, but when he gets there, he doesn't even ask her. She gives him a thing about, well, if I was going into service, I'd want to stay here. And they have lots of talking about different aspects of their relationships and their past and their feelings on things as much as they can do. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't even ask her and he doesn't even get the thing he wants and he goes back and carries on. And it's well, just, it's he was so getting ready to ask her and she just cut him off at the pass. Mm. I mean, she basically said, I know what you're going to ask, but mm-hmm. I can't because I'm going to have a grandkid and I have to stay here. Brilliant. Brilliant. Although it's I had so really, really hoped... Like, <laughs> What would have saved this movie for me is if she had shown up at the estate at the end. But no. You wanted the happily ever after. The movie just ended. I mean, that's not even necessarily a happily ever after because they're not together. But they are. They would be. Mm -hmm. Like, in life, at least. Mm -hmm. Right? In, In the same place. But... We didn't even get that. Like, you'll note in my notes, I didn't even realize the movie was over. I was like, this is a really (laughs) odd place for an aerial shot of the house. And then the credits started rolling. And I was like, what? (laughs) Amazing. Like, it just stops. Yeah. Yes. Because the story is telling of a world going through change and people going through change and the stiff British upper lip. A British stiff upper lip that you can't say what you're actually thinking. Gives us all of that and it moves on. Did not like. Oh. Did Let, not like. Let's bring in a couple of comments because I did go back to the people who suggested it and say, 
Okay. Hey, give us some thoughts. Uh, so, Sarah, so uh, from Nature Finds a Way and Whale's Tales podcast. I love this movie. I think because it seems so otherworldly to me. I know some people I've recommended it to found it too boring. But I think the starkness and the unsaid feelings are the best part of it, and the acting without that unspoken feelings are nothing. I mean, whatever else. The performances are outstanding. Yes, I will absolutely agree with you. The setting is beautiful. The costumes are great. The acting is phenomenal. I just don't see a point to it. Okay. So Anna underscore MCG on Twitter, who joined us for Working Girl. Uh, I read it for a two-person book club, book club in inverted commas, with a friend. (laughs) (laughs) I very quickly read ahead while she couldn't get into it. I love how, at its core, it's about a man clinging to an era that's over, a lifestyle that's outmoded and flawed and imperfect memory. Now, that's that's the sort of comment that makes me think the book is actually doing more about his views and feelings on things mm-hmm. than this. Obviously, because it's a film, we're seeing different people's perspectives and we're seeing the discussions going on. Right. So that's quite interesting. Uh, Sarah said, yes, I read the book for Book Club, but just last year or so, and I'd seen the movie many, many times by then, I think as a group we were split on our opinion of the book. But then some people who hadn't been able to get into the style of the book liked the movie, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, Anna had a, a, a little sign-off comment. It's about how the good old days are rarely as good as you remember them, or you don't remember them accurately because you didn't have all the information poignant in the Marga era. And Lindsay, who is also on Nature Finds a Way podcast mm-hmm. and Whale Tales, I really enjoyed it after Sarah made us watch it for Book Club. <laughs> but I've always, <laughs> but I've always been a fan of British movies, TV like this, and also Emma Thompson is the best ever. So maybe I'm biased. I mean, Emma Thompson has a lot of credit, so yeah. her in a film will always help. Okay, so if I rewatched it, I'd probably like it because I'm not expecting a story anymore. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, if I go to it, just trying to have a British experience mm-hmm. on film, I'd probably be okay. But when I go to movies, for I go for story, and I was expecting a story, and I didn't get a story. Okay. So so it was the ending. It was the, the fact that at the resolution, you went, wait, there's no more here? <laughs> yeah. There needs to be an act three somewhere. That's, so, so, but at what point did you start thinking... The story is going in a weird direction, or, or were you just expecting a thing at the end where she comes running across the fields? He goes running across the fields and screams, "I love you!" and they have hearts flying okay, out. No, them. that's not what I was expecting, <laughs> but I was expecting something. Okay. Um, I really, I expected her to show up. You know, to have decided. Hmm. I mean, she'd already left her husband twice, <laughs> right? So, right. like, I want that story for one, but. They had set it up for her to not stay there. Mm. And I felt like the grandchild was flimsy at best, Mm -hmm. the way they wrote it in. And so I expected her to, especially since she said she offered up the information, I've been thinking about going back into service. So it makes sense to end this story with her back at the house. Mm. Whether they are romantically involved or not is not the point. Right. And I wasn't expecting that kind of happily ever after. I mean, they're not Carson and Mrs. Hughes. No. And and that would have been very interesting to have a... They never get together, but they end up working together the rest of their lives thing. Mm-hmm. That would have been very nice. Um, yeah. 
I, I find the, the reveal about the grandchild very interesting as well, because it's one of the very few times we're not in his point of view, or at least he's not privy to the information. Right. Almost the rest, almost everything, not quite, but almost everything, it is, he is there or he is told about it shortly after or it's, you know. He's in the room where it happens, one He is say. in the room where it happens. The, the, the bits I'm thinking he's not are where we see his father struggling and we see her realising his father's struggling and so on. But that's just to inform us about what she's seeing and to make sure that we believe her, that mm-hmm. we don't think she's some callous whatever trying to split up him and his father. Yeah. Hmm. I, I I do love the story with the father. I think that's so... I mean, that's heartbreaking. And, and the way he carries on and the fact that the Lord of that I point. wasn't invested in it at all. Oh, really? And for it to end with his father telling him that I fell out of in love with your mother because she was running around. Mm-hmm. Like, why? What's the point? What does that do for anybody? Death like, it doesn't give... Mm-hmm. I, it's, mm. It was pointless. It took up like two of those minutes that could have <laughs> gone away. And it's it's clearly part of the thing that this is part of the, the, the unspokenness of everything. The fact that people aren't saying what they're thinking. On his deathbed, this is the thing his father decides needs to be said. Of all the things he has never said in his life, and he mm-hmm. only has a few more minutes to say... That's the thing he feels the need to confess. Not, I love you and I'm proud of the service you do. Right. He's confessing his story. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so repressed and it's so restrained. <laughs> and I think it's great because <laughs> I can, I can see part of Britishness in it. I am, you know, I'm not quite this. I'm a lot more gregarious than this, I like to think. But there is still some of this, you don't say things to people and you do apologise when someone bumps into you, this kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. mm love it it's great it's great and and i do uh, i mean part of it is is it peter vaughan playing his father peter vaughan is another one who crops up every so often in the thing you're like oh peter vaughan's here this is gonna be good master aemon from game of thrones there were a few game of thrones oh. people in this the only one i caught was lena heady absolutely Hedy. lena heady yes little lena <laughs> baby yeah baby lena um who was the other one was it jeffrey wren yeah, Jeffrey Wren was Jon Royce. This doesn't mean anything to me. It was apparently in 13 episodes. Oh, it was a bannerman of House Aaron and House Stark. So one of the northerners. Um, yeah, I love all the different stories that go on on this. <laughs> I'm Except- glad somebody does. Say again? I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> but there are times when it gets into some of the class stuff, some of the nationalism stuff, and it, it absolutely makes my blood boil. I suspect mm-hmm. it's meant to. Oh, I'm sure. And, and I'm I just, sure. I, I can't decide because, again, it's a whole different era. It's a whole different way of looking at things that still does come out. There are aspects of this that our current prime minister does echo at times. Some of the, you know, great British spirit and it's going to be okay and us here in Parliament will decide what's best for you, this kind of thing. But the way, like, the the way the guy almost mocks him by saying, oh, what do you think of the speech given by the chap in the Northern African country about his politics and his economy and so on? No, this guy has a job. He doesn't have time to think about things like that. But yes, he does get to choose whether to elect you or not. You pillock. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But then when they go into... 
you know, the the racial laws coming in Germany and this is cleaning up society and so on. It's like you caused the African diaspora. You flipping white Europeans. I know I'm saying that as a white European, but then to say we should have laws stopping it's just the lack of insight into the world. The one example that stood out the most to mm. me was the guy said, well, over here we call them prisons. Over <gasps> there they call them concentration camps. Right? What's the difference? Yeah. Like, I had a visceral reaction mm. to that, but I bel- I, I'm sure we were intended to. I mean, you don't put a line no. like that in a movie in 1993. Absolutely. The year ch- and this- not intended. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and there is something in that that again this is all this is all speaking to the belief of the time and the fact that that there wasn't information coming out of um Germany about what was actually going on right and you know that what was was you know disbelief and oh well they're lying because they want sympathy and so on you know yeah. because back then we didn't have drones to take footage of people being carted onto trains and sadly now right. we do and we're finding out it's happening again so what a world this is why it just makes your blood boil. It's like we, it, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's good. You know, I, I think we always say, if it provokes a reaction, it's doing something well. Yeah. Although if it provokes a reaction of being annoyed at the ending of the film, perhaps not doing quite as well as it should. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with you on that one. Yeah. Which is which is a shame. I mean, is this something we should have warned you about? But I, I couldn't remember that there wasn't, that the story was so small of what it was telling. Mm-hmm. And perhaps... Like, I wish it had, had an epilogue of mm-hmm. some sort. Like, fast forward 15 more years, he's on his deathbed. We see he's writing about his regrets or that he doesn't have regrets or something. Mm-hmm. Give me something. Don't just stop okay. in the middle. It's stopped in the middle. It was like it ran out of gas, like his car did. Is part of the beauty of this, and, and this will come down to the way that we watch things and what we expect from things. So I, I utterly feel like, yes, he had regrets. Yes, he should have done these change of things, but he has committed so much to it, he is never going to change. You're looking to be told that I'm reading it into things like just the lingering holding of the hand at the very end, and mm-hmm. she's sobbing, so we know what she thinks, mm-hmm. and he is looking at her and raising his hat. He's still trying to be as respectful as possible, but... Right. He can't turn away. Mm. I mm. needed more to feel f- to to get a satisfied, fulfilling, emotional release from this mm-hmm. movie. I needed more, mm. and not getting it made me angry. <laughs> like angry, angry. Okay. In amongst the anger, is there anything you liked? Is there anything you want yes. to pull out? And I mean, yeah, what was keeping you going up until you realised the film was ending and it was... Well, I mean, Emma Thompson. Her sarcasm was utterly delightful. Right. Utterly delightful. That whole scene where she's being sarcastic with uh, Mr. Stevens because he's questioning her ability. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. Absolutely amazing. Um why didn't Hugh Grant get more roles like this? Like, this is not the character that Hugh Grant is known for doing, but he did this so well. I, I feel like it is the character he's known for doing. It's so interesting. This is the sort of blue blood working man that he's always played. This is this is not so far from Bridget Jones's diary, 
for instance. But the personality, the characterization is very different. Like he he was a serious, upstanding, respected person. Mm-hmm. And he's silly. Like he plays these silly roles. Okay. A lot of comedy. I want to find his filmography. Is there anything? Because I, I can't, I'm, you, you're absolutely right. I can't think of him in anything that's not comedy. Or, or at least a comedic performance. Love Actually, I'm not sure is comedy, but hmm. is it just that he chose to do comedies? And, you know, there's maybe, maybe he did. Very fair to be, to choose to be, what's the word? Typecast. Mm-hmm. Rather than try. Try is not the right thing. Clearly, try is clearly he's been a great actor for a long time doing it, the thing he does very well. So fair play to him. But he's chosen to go for comedies. Yeah, there's right. no, there's nothing on here, is there? Because I think he went straight from this to Four Weddings and a Funeral, and then he was Basically. on his path. He's in Sirens, but whilst that's a serious film, it's a slightly raunchy film. <laughs> <laughs> Sense and Sensibility might be another one. Mm. Mm. All right. but, but then, yeah, nine months, The Englishman Who Went Up a Hill But Came Down a Mountain, Mickey Blue Eyes, Notting Hill, Bridget Jones's Diary, Two Weeks Notice, About a Boy, Love Actually... Yeah, there's, music there's and a lyrics. Theme. Yeah, hmm. I love music and lyrics. By the way, have you ever oh, seen really? it? No, I haven't. Him with the Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore? I love it. Hmm. Like it's odd. It, it is an odd movie. It's fluff. It has no substance, and I love it. Okay, utterly love it. Uh, oh, the director did Miss Congeniality. Okay. All right. Good. Um, last thing I really, really loved was a quote from Mr. Christopher Reeve's character. Mm-hmm. Um, when he stands up at the big fancy dinner where they're trying to mm-hmm. be politicians, and he says, you are, all of you, amateurs, and international affairs should never be run by amateurs. Like, he does not hold back, and I loved it. Mm. It's a really good line. It is a thing. really good line. And, and you can see how well judged it is because they're able to continue after that. Mm-hmm. I think... It would it would be very easy to have to deliver something a, a message akin to that like that and then have to leave, <laughs> right? Because you can't sit and have dinner with these people after saying that. Mm, very well done, but clearly not received. And again, this was a different time and a different way of doing these things. Yeah, mm. it's fascinating to see how the ruling class really did rule everything. Yeah, and. I don't think we're that far off in some ways now, today, Mm. at least here in America, but it's not quite so explicit Mm -hmm. as it was there. Mm. I mean, well, so the point is Christopher Reeve is a congressman? Mm -hmm. Senator? One of those? Congressman. Who is a millionaire buying this British house, coming and living over here, but still appearing to hold a seat? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing of the you know the very rich are the ones who go into politics because they have the time to think about it and do it and so on. And I, I feel like American politics is you're right getting there when you have things like people like AOC coming up who are getting themselves to it, mm-hmm. not because they've got the backing to be able to study law and then go into politics, right? Just <laughs> the standard right. entry, this kind of thing. Um, mm. What about you? 
I mean, clearly you loved the entire movie. But yeah, it's a great it film. It stood out. Thoroughly recommend it to everyone. I, I love that it's so restrained. I don't think a modern version, a, a modern film like this, whether it's this film or another, would have been able to hold back as much of this film. And, and I think that ending is part of the point of it. Of like, just, okay, wow, he never gets to ask her. You're, you're right, she knows it's coming. He, he's almost mm-hmm. there to ask her. But he doesn't actually get to. And Yeah. I think what you're calling, what you're saying is it's so restrained. I think that's what I don't like about it. Mm-hmm. I think. Just the it. idea that... Uh, I mean, we don't actually know what he thinks about any of it. No, we're having to read it from the, the bits that we see in places. He mm-hmm. sees her crying because he's kind of rejected her. And all he can bring up is something about the house in a sort of, you know, undertone of you need to carry on with your job. Right. <laughs> Just, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But we see that he's rattled because he dropped the wine. That's, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm. When he does go to see her, there's a moment where they're walking along. And I, th- part of this is, yeah, it's Emma Thompson's delivery. Part of it is the line. Part of it is the sort of restrained British stiff up lip thing. She talks about how she was very unhappy for a long time. And then they had a daughter. And w- and I realized one day I loved my husband. Mm-hmm. And it's just this thing of for so long she was with someone she didn't love. But she fell in love and found that him depending on her in the way he does mm-hmm. made her happy. Right. Made her love him. And it's delivered so well. It's it's a beautiful poetic line. I realized one day I loved my husband. Because there's so much story in that line. There is, especially wow. on the heels of her opening voiceover in the letter to Mr. Mm. Stevens was, I've left my husband again. Again. Mm-hmm. And this time my marriage is finally over. Oh. Clearly it's not. Yeah. But there's a story there. Like, mm. that's a story I'd like to know about. Mm-hmm. I, I, we got a little bit of it because we got yep. to see them meet. Mm. Well, not meet because they already knew they worked together prior. But we got to see them reconnect and we got to see them at the pub the one time. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But right. anything else? Those were the big ones for you? Those are the big ones. I mean, Anthony Hopkins is just perfect in this role. It, just, it works so well. And, and it's, it's in, you know, we talk about Hugh Grant and Hugh Grant's always done Hugh Grant in films. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins has always done characters, but so often American characters, which yes. for a boy from the Welsh Valleys is so interesting. And yet he plays this part so well. It's so good. And, and you might say there's not much to it, but I, I feel like there is a lot to it. I feel like it would be so easy as an actor to give slight extra things to give nuance of what's coming across, but he just doesn't betray himself mm-hmm. ever. It's it's you really do have to work to sort of put you put something on top of it, and maybe it's just my preparedness to put my feelings on top of him of what right. he's going through, and just just you know the assumption of well well yes he's come to love her and depend on her, and he says the thing about you're very important to this house. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful! Because he means him, and he can't say yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, I think I've never seen Anthony Hopkins not do something at one hundred and ten percent. Like he has been phenomenal in everything I've seen him in. Mm. Didn't even mention Thor. No, which he's is in Thor. 
pretty close to this, to be fair, actually. And, and he is one of the better things of those first two Thor films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. hmm. I can't even find his list of roles. It's just somewhere on the page. He's been in so much stuff. <laughs> mm. But yeah, you mentioned things like Dracula and Meet Joe Black and Westworld and so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about the remains of the day? So we're going to do lots more Merchant Ivory. We need to do Merchant Ivory Month. <laughs> Can we not? We need to do I can't all handle a whole films. month of movies like this. 44 films, 2021. We need to watch all of them in order. In reverse order. I quit. In chronological order. In alphabetical order. I quit. Order. I quit. You can do them all by yourself. <laughs> Next week is supposed to be Dr. No. Mm-hmm. Should we do Dr. No? Should I find another British film? I don't know. I don't know anything about Dr. No. You, you had quite a strong reaction to doing a James Bond film. It will be a much different British film than this one, though, so I think I'm okay with that. Okay, okay. What are you expecting from Dr. No? Let's get into this here. I honestly don't, I, I honestly don't know because I, you, I think, mentioned that it was Sean Connery, so that means mm-hmm. it's, like, really, really old. Because <laughs> he was young when he did mm-hmm. James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience with James Bond is Daniel Craig. Okay. And then Austin Powers. <laughs> so I really don't know. I expect it to be much more elegant and classy. Than Austin um, I Powers? Also, <laughs> yes. Then, well, even, even than Daniel Craig. Um, I expect there to be a lot of uh, patriarchal bullshit and misogyny as well. Okay. Hmm. That's weird. <laughs> I can't tell if that's sarcasm or not. I hope that's sarcasm. Heavy sarcasm. Okay. Okay. Um, I expect it to have an interesting story, which I'm excited about since it didn't get that this week. <laughs> it may be something that actually happens. It's got to have some action in it. It's James Bond. Like, okay. there's going to be guns and mystery and intrigue. As long as there's a story, you're going to be happy. Yes. Okay. Good, good, good. Yep. We'll see. All right. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. I really hope we hear from many, many people about this. I mean, all those people who did write us who, who I, I, and I'm hoping we get some people who say, yeah, Mandy, you're utterly right. Nothing happens in this film. And no <laughs> one says anything. And Matthew, you're reading when there is nothing. These people are just dull and... <laughs> No, everybody's going to agree with you. I hope it provokes a reaction. And it's a film that does provoke a reaction, clearly, in both directions. Wonderful. That is true. Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded by all our lovely listeners who love or hate Remains of the Day through Patreon. (laughs) Anything you can give, even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive shows, bonus shows, extra content, and physical merch, and helps to sustain the network and develop new shows. If you want to find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing for all the details of how to support us. And as you heard just a few minutes ago, we will be back next week where we are going to talk about Dr. No. So until next time, I am Mandy Kay. And why do you always have to hide what you feel? That's the whole damn movie in one sentence. You did not need two hours and 14 minutes to say that. Pop Culturally Deprived is an eloquent gushing production.
For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.